2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and uh, we've looked at the first uh, five verses of this chapter, and I told you the other night we were going to go down through verse number 12. Some of you I know at this point are very worried because you have thought this through, and you realize that the first night I started in this, we did three verses, and it took me a little over 30 minutes to do three verses. You also realize that last night we covered two verses, and it still took me over 30 minutes. And you've done the math, and you realize we have seven verses to cover tonight. You say, how are you going to do it? Well, see, I saved this one for the last night because I'm not expecting you to come back tomorrow night. So, hey, you're already here. Let's just do it all, okay? No, in all honesty, I think we'll get through at least before midnight anyway. So, let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. Lord, thank you so much for today, the blessing of today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here at this church and to be part of this missions conference. And, Lord, tonight we're closing out the missions conference. But, Lord, this church is beginning a brand new missions year. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one tonight, help us all to let your word do its work in our hearts and our lives and that it might change us, not just for tonight or this week or even for this next missions year, but, Lord, that it might change us for all eternity. And, God, I pray for your help, for the filling of your uh, spirit in this time, Lord, that I not bring this message in the power of the flesh, but in the power of your spirit, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, the grace of giving. How that, verse 2, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Verse 3, 4, to their power, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. They gave sacrificially, then they gave supernaturally, and all of that was able to happen because they were willing of themselves. They wanted to, and our key word was attitude. It wasn't that they had to give, it was that they got to give. It wasn't guilt giving, it was grace giving. And then last night, praying us, verse 4, with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift. They were excited about giving this offering to the Apostle Paul and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. We were very clear last night that this was an offering given to a missionary for the purpose of missions for others, particularly the church at Jerusalem. So as we talk about the faith promise offering, God's tithe comes first. And then the faith promise offering is over and above God's tithe for the purpose of missions. And this they did, verse 5, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And this, I believe we could say, is the key verse in this passage because God's not all that concerned about the money side. Can I remind you that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? And by the way, God owns the hills too. And God owns the gold that's in the hills. So God does not have a financial problem. You know, it's interesting. You know, as Christians, we talk about how we have uh, faith and, and we, have, we trust God with our eternal destiny, our soul. But when it comes to trusting Him with our finances, we get a little nervous. Isn't that funny? But if we give Him ourselves first, the money issue, it won't be an issue. Now, tonight, we're going to pick up here in verse number 6, and we're going to, Lord willing, go down through verse number 12, 
And I'm just going to give you a heads up. We are going to turn a corner, if you will, in this passage of Scripture. The last two nights have really been to the heart. And uh, as we talked about uh, the attitude, and then last night we talked about availability. Now tonight we get to the more practical side of faith promise giving. Again, why do we do some of the things that we do? Why do we uh, follow these particular principles from Scripture? And where do they come from? They come from here. And some of the things tonight I'll give that are just very practical but have a scriptural basis to them. And I believe a great thing for us to follow. So beginning in verse number six, Paul says, Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. We don't know a lot about Titus's role in this, but again, I want to emphasize to you what Paul says, that he would finish in you the same grace also. What grace? The grace of giving that he's been writing to the church at Corinth about. And again, why do we call it grace giving? Well, this is one of the verses that that comes from. Therefore, he says in verse number seven, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love to us, he said, see that ye abound in this grace also. Now, I don't know if you caught it or not, but in that verse of Scripture, Paul gave five compliments to the church at Corinth. Can I remind you that the church at Corinth was a carnal church? So to even find one compliment to give is pretty good, but he gave five. And he says, hey, listen, you're abounding in faith and utterance and knowledge and all diligence, your love to us. He said, that's great. He said, but see that ye abound in this grace also, the grace of giving, as the churches of Macedonia had already done. Follow their example and do the same thing. And tonight, the application here that you and I could make is that whatever it is we're involved in, as far as serving the Lord in and through His local church, and I emphasize that because that's God's program, Whatever it is, is it Sunday school, if it's junior church, if it's a van route or a bus route, or maybe it's a, 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 some other type of ministry, you clean the church, whatever it is, continue to abound in that ministry or those ministries that you're involved in. That's what God has given you here in your Jerusalem. But the challenge is, see that ye abound in this grace also. So get involved in missions and in giving to missions. Why? Because as you serve here in your local church, then as you give, then there are others who are representing you all around the world. It is fruit that abounds to your account. And the command is not just to go to our own Jerusalem, but to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, and let me mention, too, that the Bible says here, here see that ye abound in this grace also. Don't just tip God. Abound in this. You know, I think it's sad when we, you know, you know, I, I got a few coins left over at the end of the week. Let's throw that in for missions, you know, or I got a little money left over here. Let's let's put that in for missions. No, I, I think that God says we're to abound in this grace also. Now, Paul goes on in verse number eight. And, and I want to go on record that I did not skip verse number eight. Watch the verse with me. He says, I speak not by commandment. You know what that means? We don't have to do it. It's not a command. You mean, Brother Snyder, all this that you've been talking about the last two nights, this is not a command? We don't have to do it? That's what the Bible says. This is not a command. However, 
before anyone leaves out a long sigh of relief, let me finish the verse. Okay? He says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Now, first of all, I want to mention that the tithe is a command because it's just simply God's already. And again, this sets this apart, makes it different from God's tithe. But he says this is not a command, but he says before you decide to not be involved in this offering, he said there's two things you need to stop, stop and think about. Number one, he says, but uh, the occasion of the forwardness of others. What's he talking about? The example of others. Who's that? The church is in Macedonia. He says, church at Corinth, you have been blessed. The churches in Macedonia are in a great trial of affliction. They're in deep poverty. God shed his grace upon them, allowing them to give not only to their power, but beyond their power. Look to their example. And I think that's great, again, for you and I to stop and consider how God has blessed us and how we are rich compared to many places in this world today. And so, no, we don't have to be involved. It's not a command. But before we decide to not be involved, we better stop and think about the example of others. But also, he says this, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others. And number two, to prove the sincerity of your love. To prove the sincerity of your love. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. You know, if I ran around the house and I told my wife over and over again, hey, sweetheart, I love you. I love you, sweetheart. I love you, sweetheart. And, you know, I'm just telling her that with my mouth constantly, but I never provided for her. Never, never gave her any spending money, never gave her money for food, never gave her food, never, you know, gave her all the necessities of life. You know, there, it would only be a short period of time and she would say to me, hey, Buster, come here. <laughs> we got to get something straight. You keep saying with your mouth that you love me, but you're not proving the sincerity of your love. You know, I wonder how often God wants to say, hey, come here, let's sit down and talk. Because for you and I, it's easy for us to say, yeah, I love you, Lord. And dare I say that if I went around the auditorium tonight and asked each one, do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Do you love the Lord? I think everybody would say, yes, I love the Lord. And that's great and fine, but it should go beyond that. Here is an opportunity that you and I have to prove the sincerity of our love. And again, it does come back to that money thing, because Scripture says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Do you see that your treasure and your heart are inseparably linked? What does that mean? Well, think about it this way and do a little test tonight. Generally speaking, the things that we love the most are the things that we'll spend the most money on. And generally speaking, the things that we love the least, we will spend the least money on. <laughs> if there's something we don't care about at all, we don't spend any money on it. Now, as you look through your checkbook or your bank account and you see what it is you spend the most money on and the second most money and the third, here's my question. Where is God in that list? Because this finances, this offering, is an opportunity for you and I to prove the sincerity of our love. No, we don't have to be involved. This is not a command. However, before we say, no, I'm not going to be involved, we better stop and think about the example of others and stop and think about the fact that this is an opportunity for us 
to prove the sincerity of our love for Lord Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, just in case those two things were not enough, I think that's why Paul puts verse number nine in. He says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Why? That ye through his poverty might be rich. Do you see the word grace? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You talk about the ultimate example of grace giving. It's Jesus Christ himself, who was rich, but became poor. Why? So that we could be rich. But what an example he has set for us. And no, we don't have to be involved, but I'll tell you what, when you just stop and think about what Jesus Christ has done for us, how can you say, no, Lord, I don't want to help get the gospel message to a lost and a dying world? Wow. Now, Paul goes on in verse number 10. He says, and herein I give my advice. He says, for this is expedient for you. Now, let me emphasize what he's saying here. He's not saying this is expedient for the people that are receiving the offering. Because we're talking about missions offering and, you know, we're talking about missionaries and we understand that this is expedient for them, the missionary. Because most missionaries I know, myself included, we enjoy eating. You know, when I go to the grocery store, it's really good to have finances, have money to be able to pay to get the food. I, I have developed the habit of eating at an early age and I've not been able to break that habit yet. Okay, I'm still working on that thing. But you understand, yes, it understands, it, it benefits, excuse me, the missionary, but that's not what Paul says. He says, this is expedient for you. Who's that? The ones who are going to give the offering. I want to emphasize, this is expedient for you. All who will be involved in this offering, there is uh, something to benefit you by giving. Now, again, the health and wealth prosperity people today, they'd say, oh, yeah, just give and boy, you'll get rich and it'll be wonderful. That's not all what I'm saying. And I explained that the other night. But there are many ways that this is expedient for you. I literally have, I think it's about 11 different things that I have jotted down here in my notes. I'm going to skip just and just give you two quick ones. Number one, by participating in faith promise, your faith is exercised and thus it is strengthened. Look in your life. What is it that stretches your faith that you can say, you know what? By doing that, my faith is growing and it is increasing. If you participate in faith promise, it'll stretch you. And by the way, you've heard the expression, no pain, no gain. That applies spiritually too. But here's a second one. Treasure is laid up in heaven. This is an eternal investment. You know, it's like depositing money in the bank of heaven. Think about that, you know. And, and boy, I, I know we have to be careful and make sure we make wise investments on this side of eternity for retirement and those other things. But, you know, things are, things are difficult as far as investments go nowadays. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, I would put my money in the bank. And when I did, I got this thing called interest. Better remember that stuff? Yeah, it was, it, it's, it was really kind of neat. <laughs> but now you put money in the bank, you get a service charge because you've deposited too many times, okay? You know, hey, listen, when you make a deposit in the bank of heaven, that is an investment that will compound daily for all eternity. That's an investment I don't want to miss out on. What an opportunity God's given us. 
And herein I give my advice, verse 10, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He says to be forward a year ago. You, you were resolved to do it. You wanted to do it. You were excited about being involved in this offering. And then he says this too, a year ago. Now I could read those three words and we could just skip them and, and, and move on. But there's a couple things I want to stress here while we're here. Number one, a year ago. I believe that here in these, with those three words, we have the principle for having an annual Faith Promise Missions Conference. Now, is everybody listening? I want, if, if you haven't been, listen now. The preacher tonight did not say that the Bible says thou shalt have an annual Faith Promise Missions Conference. That's not what I said. But what I did say was I believe the principle is here for us to have an annual Faith Promise Missions Conference. Why? Well, you think about it. Paul, one year after this church made this commitment to be part of the offering, he now writes back to them one year later and says to them, Church, here's what I want you to do. I want you, number one, to stop and think about the commitment that you made one year ago. And how has that commitment gone? <laughs> Have you kept that commitment? Now, by the way, sadly, for the church at Corinth, they had to kind of shake their head, bow their head. No, we didn't keep that commitment. But here's the second thing that Paul says to do. Now, church at Corinth, he says, I want you to look to the future and I want you to determine what God would have you to do in the future concerning this offering. And is that not what we're doing here at the annual Faith Promise Missions Conference? First of all, stop. And I'm challenging you now. Look back to a year ago, your last conference. What commitment did you make at that point in time concerning the offering? And consider, and dare I say, if you've been involved this past year, we could have a great testimony service right now of all God has done over the past year. And you look back and really you can draw strength of how God has been faithful over the last year and met the need as you've stepped out by faith and obeyed him and gave what he's laid on your heart to give. But also at this conference is a time to stop and look ahead. Why? Because you realize the need is greater right now than it was one year ago. So as we stop now it's time to look to the future and determine in our hearts, and this is what we've emphasized this week, what does God want us to do in the future concerning this missions offering? Now there's a second thing I want to throw out here, and I want you to think about too, when we say a year ago. This part is as much practical as it is anything else. But I'm challenging you, based on the principle that's here, the commitment that you're making for missions, make that commitment a one year year commitment. Why? Well, there's some practical aspects in that because you make the commitment for the next decade or so. Well, that's a pretty big, you know, that's a pretty big leap, if you will. But hey, one year, that's, we've got the principle here. Let's go with it. And you know what? Again, can I give you the testimony? I'm coming up on 30 years of doing this every year in my life. And each year I have increased. And you know what? It's amazing as God grows my faith this year, the next year, I'm ready for the next step. And then God takes me to the next step. And I'll tell you what else it'll do for you. If you make a one-year commitment to God through Bible Baptist Church, three months from now, when a financial difficulty comes your way, you know, you're going to realize that thing is called a test to see if you will pass the test. 
Because the commitment that you make is not a commitment for three months until the financial difficulty comes. The commitment that you're making is a commitment for one full year. It's also, again, a practical thing for your church. Because, I've already checked with Pastor, he said this is purely hypothetical. No one here is allowed to do this. But let's just say, hypothetically, one of you gets transferred six months from now to some other city, some other state, some other place for your job. Six months from now, you leave. Does that mean, okay, now I don't have to keep my faith promise commitment anymore because I'm not, no, hold on a second, it's a commitment, watch, that you're making to God. By the way, you're not making that commitment to your pastor, to your deacons, to the preacher, to any of the missionary. You're making that commitment to God and you're making it through Bible Baptist Church. So thus, for the next six months after you make that hypothetical move, you send that faith promise offering back to Bible Baptist Church. At the end of the year, what's that mean? Well, that ends that commitment. You say, what then? Hopefully by then you're already involved in a great church wherever God's taken you and get involved in their missions program at that point in time. These are just practical things. I'm a, I'm a practical guy. But again, we see the principle laid out in Scripture when he says, a year ago, I challenge you, make this something that is a, a time to look back, but also to look future to the next year, and make a commitment for one full year. Trust God to meet your needs over that time. Now, I need to hurry and finish. Verse number 11, he says, Now therefore perform the doing of it. In other words, it's time to put your money where your mouth is. You've been delaying for a year, now it's time. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, in other words, you wanted to do it, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. This is a very important part of grace giving. He says, so there may be a performance out of that which ye have. That's not waiting for God to give it to you first and then you give it. There's to be a performance or a giving out of that which you already have. You understand, there are some who teach and preach faith promise this way. Well, listen, you just make a commitment to God and bless God. If he brings in that big old offering, then that's great. You'd put that thing in the offering plate. But you know what? If God doesn't give it to you, you're off the hook. You don't have to give it. I remember I preached a conference many years ago in West Virginia. And while I was there, I preached these same principles. And at the end of the conference, the pastor came up to me and said, Brother Snyder, he says, I heard what you preached and I, and I get it now. He said, you know, for the last 14 years, I have preachers who have come in and preached faith promise. And he said, they have all preached it and said, well, just come up with a number. And if God gives it to you, put in the offering plate. If God doesn't give it to you, you're off the hook. And he says, I never understood why faith promise never worked in our church for the last 14 years. He said, now I understand why. There's to be a performance out of that which we have. That's God's order. Can, can you take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38? Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38. And I want you to look at this verse of Scripture with me because I want to uh, just back up this principle by using God's Word, actually using the words of Jesus Christ Himself. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38. Now, because I've stepped away from my Bible, I tell people that my memory is good, it's just short. Okay, so I want to make sure that I'm not quoting this incorrectly. So if I quote it incorrectly, you let me know. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 38. Here it is. After God gives it to you, then give. Okay, good. Some of you have caught on. 
not what it says. What's the first word? Give. It says nothing about God giving it to you first. He says, give, if you will, out of that which you have. Give, and it shall be given unto you. How? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, just like that little lad that we talked about on Sunday who got the 12 baskets over. What? Let's, here's our Greek lesson for now. You know what that means in the Greek? It means you can't outgive God no matter how hard you try, but you have to give it God's way. God says, give, and then it shall be given unto you. Again, I mentioned to you I am a practical person, so let's get practical. If we were only supposed to give it when we saw it first, you realize that would be called sight promise giving, not faith promise giving? Where's the faith involved in that? There is no faith involved in that. Or if we gave it only when we saw it first, why would we call it grace giving? Why would God have to bestow a special grace on the churches at Macedonia or on you and I to give it if, well, we see it first and then we give it? No, that's why we call it faith promise giving. That's why God refers to this as grace giving in this passage of scripture. Now, again, let me, if you don't mind, just get a little bit more practical. You say, all right, brothers, now how does this work? Let me just give you my testimony from our finances. Not that I'm going to give you any numbers, but there's to be a performance out of that which we have. So what that means is this. My wife and I, we receive a statement from BIMI once a month. For those of you who do not know this, BIMI does not pay me a salary, even as the president and general director. I raise my support just like the rest of these missionaries raise their support. Okay? So when that support comes in, I get that support check at the end of the month. Now watch. The first thing that comes out of that support check is God's tithe. Because it belongs to God. It's His. I just do the math. I get a calculator. Do the math, 10%. And by the way, God's okay if you round up that number. He's, he's all right with that. I'm just throwing that out for free, okay? You give God his tithe. That's the first thing we do. Now watch, the second thing that comes out of that support check is our faith promise commitment that we have made. Why? Because there's to be a performance out of that which we have. And, you know, it's interesting. I've had a lot of people come to me and say, Preacher, what do you do then? We pray a lot, but can I again give you the testimony that God has paid every one of our bills on time, every time, and not only has he met our needs, but many of our wants as well. Why? Because the Bible says, give, and then it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. You know, it's interesting, I, I keep referring back to it, but it's a great illustration. Do you think about that lad that we talked about on Sunday that had the five loaves and the two small fishes? Can you imagine if Jesus would have said to him, hey, I would like that five loaves and those two fishes, and that lad would say, well, Lord, I'm waiting on a big offering from heaven. If God sends it to me, I'll give it to you, but until then, I'm just going to hold on to what I have. No, there's to be a performance out of that which we have. And as we give, then it shall be given unto us. That's God's order. That's what God says. And that's what we're to do. Verse 12, we've got to finish this up. He says, For if there be first a willing mind, and we've already covered that last night, and notice this, he says, It is accepted, in other words, God's view or God's acceptance of our gift 
it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. And this ties back with the last verse, performance out of that which we have. Okay. By the way, you and I worry so much as human beings about what we don't have. God's not focused on what we don't have. God says, well, what are you going to do with what you do have? We're stewards. He says, it is accepted. God's view, God's acceptance is according to what we have, not according to what we do not have. I love this part of faith promise giving. And, and here's why. Because it doesn't matter about man's acceptance of the gift. It only matters about God's acceptance of the gift. And the two are quite often very different. Let me illustrate that for you. Over here, we have somebody who gives a $50 faith promise offering. Praise the Lord. That's good. Over here, we have someone who gives a $100 faith promise offering. Woo! Praise the Lord. That's even better. Matter of fact, the math that they taught me when I was in school was that this one is twice what that one is. Now, man's acceptance of that gift is, man, this one's great. This is twice that one. But you see, there's something that man doesn't see. This $50 offering is given on a $500 budget. And this $100 offering over here is given on a $10,000 budget. Do you see what just happened? God's acceptance, God's view is, this one is not the larger offering. That one is the larger offering. Because it's not the portion, it's the proportion. It's on what we have. And God knows what we have. You know, I love in, in Mark chapter number 12, Jesus is sitting there with his disciples and, and, and they're seeing people come into the temple and they're putting their offering in. And by the way, I, I assume there were some rich people that were putting in big offerings and Jesus didn't stop them. Jesus didn't say that was bad. But it's interesting. It's when that widow comes along. Do you remember when she put those two mites in there? That's when Jesus said to his disciples, hey, fellas, come here. There's a lesson you need to learn right now. That widow has given more than all the rest. Why? It's God's acceptance. It's God's view of this gift that makes all the difference in the world. That, that just gets really practical here. Here I go again. I'm being practical. That means that no matter who we are and no matter where we are financially, we can be involved in faith promise giving. It's that simple. Sometimes when I preach this, I talk with people who I think they've gotten the wrong idea. It's like they, they kind of think, well, if I can't give $1,000 a week, you know, I can't be involved in faith promise giving. No, listen, if God lays on your heart this week that you're supposed to give a nickel a week to missions, do you realize what you're supposed to give to God? A nickel a week. Now that's really tough, isn't it? I mean, can you get any more practical than that? That's pretty simple. Now, I will say, I believe everybody here can probably give more than a nickel a week to missions. That's just a guess. But I think I'm pretty safe in that assumption. But again, we come back to the same thing that we've stressed all this week. Whatever it is God lays on your heart, it's just a matter of obedience. Just doing whatever it is He tells you to do. And, you know, husbands and wives, I would encourage you to pray together about what God would have you to give. I know... Barb and I, as we pray about it, it's interesting. We come to the end of the missions conference and we're like, okay, now we got to fill out this card because we, we, we fill out cards because that's, that's a great tool for the church to know how to budget for the next upcoming missions year. So we're going to fill this card out. So we talk to each other and I say to her, okay, what, what did God tell you? 
And she says, oh, no, 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 you'd say first what God said to you, you know. And I said, well, I'm the head of the home, so you need to tell me first. <laughs> and of course, you know, that's, that's, we know how that goes. So what's been interesting, though, to watch is that often her faith has been a little bit bigger than my faith. But there's been times when my faith has been a little bit bigger than hers, but together we agree and understand what God would have us to give as a couple. Um, it's been amazing to watch God work in our lives in that way. Um, and I'm going to, she's not here, but I'm going to brag on my wife for just a minute. You know, my wife, she, <laughs> she's got kind of a cheapskate husband. Uh, you know, she gets an allowance, but it's not a lot. It really isn't. But you know what? My wife, many years ago, said, you know what? I'm going to give a faith promise offering out of that allowance. And she does. And, you know, again, it's not a lot of money, but the proportion of what she gives to me is quite amazing. And I can tell you, I have watched God bless her over the years for that decision. And I, I, I love seeing it. I personally make a faith promise commitment as well outside of what we make as a couple. This thing's not limited. I'm just saying whatever God lays on your heart, give it, do it. And by the way, I, I'm not sure if we have any, yeah, we have a few parents in here tonight. Can I encourage you? Start this with your young people. I remember with our boys when they were really young, they finally got to the point where they could kind of understand, understand finances. You know, when we came to the missions conference in the church, of course, their dad was their pastor at that time, missionary pastor on the field. And you know, we, we would explain to them, we would sit down and explain to them that this was going to be an offering for missions. And we would ask them, we'd pray with them, what would God have you get? And by the way, it's important to do this with your kids because kids, will, man, five-year-olds will sign up for 500 bucks a week and they won't even blink an eye. I mean, that just, <laughs> the faith of a child, it's amazing. So you need to work with them. But you know, they had the same cheapskate dad that, you know, I talked about a minute ago. So it's not like they got a big uh, allowance, but it's so neat. The first several times we did it, I, it was just amazing to me. I would lay out in my hand the coins that they were going to get for their allowance, and we would explain it, and we would put this coin or these coins over here and say, this is God's tithe. And we explained to them how we came to that. And then we would take these coins or this coin, whatever the case might be, and sit over and say, now that is God's uh, missions offering, the faith promise offering that we talked about and we prayed about together. The first couple times I did that, it amazed me. My boys looked at me and they looked down at my hand and they said, Dad, you mean we get to keep all of that? Out of the mouth of babes. You know, us old people, you know what we're worried about? How are we going to make it without that over here, you know? <laughs> and that's not going to be enough. I, they set a great example for me. And I'll tell you what, if we parents start our young people giving when they're this tall. When they get to be this tall, giving will be second nature to them. They won't even think about it. It's important. But as a family, take time, pray about it. And, you know, we're to that point in the conference now where it's time. Perform the doing of it. You know, uh, on Monday night, I told you to take the word attitude home with you. Pray about it. Think about it. Last night, I asked you to take the word availability home with you to think about it and pray about it. Tonight, I've got a third word, and I want you to take this with you. Action. It's time to take action. 
You say, well, I'm not sure quite, I'm not sure quite what God would have me do. Okay, take some more time and pray about it, but know this is what God wants me to do. And when you get the mind of the Lord, then take action, perform the doing of it, follow through. Yeah, there's going to be some trials and some tribulations along the way, but I'll tell you what, it's going to be an amazing thing when we get to heaven. And we're going to be so thankful that we got involved in giving to the Great Commission. And can I say, I'll speak for myself. I'm afraid when I get to heaven and I look back, I'll be glad for what I gave, but I'm sure I'm going to be in heaven wishing I had given so much more. Because I don't know about you, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant.